This is such an interesting question when I read it, because I, I don't feel like I have a ton of memories of being small. But one thing I really clearly remember is my grandmother lived with us, and uh, she would read the newspaper every morning. And so I remember kind of I would sneak up and pop the newspaper with my finger to try to surprise her. Um, and as a kid, how much fun and how delightful that was. And having my own children now realizing that she probably knew the whole time, but was still enjoying the uh, experience of her, her grandson. So um, I'm so thankful that I have that memory of her. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Children, they are just amazing. That's, that's the best word to describe them, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, um, I have this reminder on my phone or my watch. It says, be here now. I'm trying to remain present in the moment. And um, they're such great. Uh, I always refer to my older daughter as my great teacher uh, because I've learned yeah. so much from her. And they're so good at being in the moment. That's all yes. they do. They haven't learned all these other things yet. And so um, so they've been great teachers for that. And mm. my daughter was sick when she was little. Um, and so that's... Uh, You know, there's a lot of wisdom. I feel like she just has the, from from that and from uh, I don't know that she was maybe started out with. Who knows? Yeah, they they are amazing, and and I think one of the things that we have to learn as parents is to respect them and 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 not to try to um, uh, you know um, uh, brainwash them or or respect sure. their their own yeah. Uh, In, I have a daughter as well, and and I think I am her. At least now, I am her number one fan. Like I really like her. I like who she is, and being capable of respecting her is one of the greatest things that I've done in my life. I think. Sure, uh, I think that's. Um, yeah, when I if I think about what I want for my children later, and for them to respect me, I think would be tremendous. It's. Um, so I think that's a wonderful vision and aspiration and a great thing that y'all have going there. Mm. Another thing that you, that I liked, sorry, is that you mentioned your grandmother then. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, my grandmother was, uh, played a huge role in my first years. So I can definitely relate with the feeling of having, uh, the, um, you know, having your grandmother and, and yeah. Sure. I think um, grandparents are such a gift. I, um, you know, I always think of my grandmother's. She's like my touch point for like what the idea of unconditional love is. And um, I don't remember a lot about her. She passed away when I was seven, oh. but I remember what it felt like being around her and carrying that feeling and that energy has been a really special thing uh, for me. And I've always, always had that and always been able to access that. And, um, you know, I, uh, in a lot of ways, she was kind of the only grandparent I had. My, my mother's parents only spoke uh, Cajun French. And so uh, as a kid mm. who didn't speak French, it was very difficult to communicate with them. And um, my, my grandmother who lived with us, husband, passed away many years before. So I, um, she was mm. kind of the one that I had a connection to. And so I feel very fortunate that, you know, our kids have all four of their grandparents and, Um, they can, you know, get to know them and have those experiences with them and uh, have that touch point of their own. Right. And, and this uh, idea of um, unconditional love, uh, 
embodied in 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 the grandmother or the grandfather it is um it is it's beautiful like uh my grandmother as well it has uh had um a great impact and 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 yes an example of 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 unconditional love and you know what something that is interesting now that we're talking about parents children and grandparents <laughs> someone yeah. told yeah someone told me that um uh, an interesting thing to do uh, when you're a father is trying to be more like a grandfather or a grandmother. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. The way my, um, yeah, no, I, I think um, I tend to work with uh, people who are older and uh, see them having their grandkids and the way they go kind of go about approaching things with their grandchildren um, is sometimes a little bit of a contrast, I think, in how they approach things as a parent. Absolutely, and, um, and so I think, yeah, to um, yeah, to be able to try to say yes more and do some more of the frivolous things and yeah. um, and and this you know, connecting in a different way, yeah, mm, yeah, connecting in a different way, and it's also. But I understand. I mean, uh, as as I mean, you know, when you're uh, a father, I mean, a parent, mm-hmm. the interaction is totally different, and children are. Uh, awaken within you uh very different it, the, the experience of being a father is very very different it's very subjective and intense sometimes so i think p- grandparents what what they have is that they have there's a bit of distance there that it, that makes that that simplifies everything and yeah yeah very interesting absolutely i can see that and um you know, as my kids have gotten older, it's awakened in things in me and memories of being their age and things that I hadn't considered in a very long time. And so, um, you know, I used to joke with people and say, like, you know, part of being a parent is resolving your own childhood through them because you'd get, you know, I always wanted these wooden train sets and we didn't have them, but a few of my friends did. And so when my daughter was born, like we had like all kinds of these wooden trains to play with. And, um, uh, but it's there emotionally too. I think we, you know, we end up resolving some of those things, not just the toys we didn't get to have or the experiences we wished we had. Hmm. Tell us who are you, where are you, and what are you working on? Sure. Well, so my name is Jude Boudreaux. I am in New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, what I'm working on is. Uh, uh, being a better parent and husband, uh, always growing in that regard. And professionally, I um, work on uh, growing our financial planning practice and uh, helping families with higher than average incomes uh, make choices with their money that they feel good about. Our, mm-hmm. our mission is to help, you know, for to be a safe place for people to talk about money. It's uh, a, you know, we can all be, I think, really hypercritical judges of ourselves. And this, uh, um, yeah, money brings that out more than practically anything in our spending choices or our decisions that we know are important and have impacts, but sometimes we feel overwhelmed when trying to make. And our firm is really about the, you know, connecting the technical knowledge of the financial choices with the, you know, person knowledge of uh, helping yeah. people make, you know, the best use of this one life we've got to have. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's true that um, there are a lot of uh, emotions related with money as well there. Yeah. 
Sure. Well, even to your first question, we often ask people what's their earliest memory about money, not just yeah. what's their earliest memory. Yeah. And oftentimes those stories can tell us, you know, something about how we see money now still. Um, money in families is tricky. You know, we yeah. often don't talk about it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of complicated things that go into it and it can be love or control or, you know, take on all these other connotations within a family circumstance that we have to try to help people figure out what we want it to mean for them. Yeah. Like, like money wounds, right? Like, um, complexes that we have created around money and yeah. Sure. Or, you know, stories that we have that our family may have always had around, um, you know, what's, you know, being greedy or being seen a certain way or that we, uh, we like to appear as such, or our family um, goes to certain schools. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that get layered into that. That, mm. um, and then they're just understood, but they're not even discussed. So we often kind of end up relaying those patterns, or we right. don't discuss it at all, and we yeah. create our own choices, which can be positive or negative. So finding a way to be able to talk about it. And just get past some of all of the other emotional junk that we add into the mix hmm. and make a big difference in, you know, helping a child learn about money so that they can have a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, make some of the same mistakes that maybe we made or previous generations made. And do you have these conversations with your, with your clients? Like, do you, you help? Tell us. Absolutely. Wow. Tell us a little yeah, bit more um, about it. It's very, I, I find it very interesting. Sure. I, I mean, I feel like our firm lives um, very much on the emotional side of money. There's, you know, there's some parts that are technical that we, you know, maybe are more complicated and take some work to understand. But a lot of sure. personal finance is ultimately just about the numbers. You know, like if, if this was, a, and I will joke with people, like if this was just a numbers problem, you're a smart person. You can build a spreadsheet and you can figure out what's happening with the numbers. But the problem is it's not, it's not happening there. It's happening at this emotional level where we all exist. So, you know, knowing what your life is about is the first step towards figuring out what, you know, how to make some of the, answer some of these financial questions that we're having. Um, because it's not about dollars and cents. Uh, most of us have made choices in our lives that, um, were to take a, uh, lower paying job because it was the right opportunity or to live in a certain place or to pursue a path because our heart was in it, not, you know, because we thought it was the way we could make the most money in our lives. And that's, uh, that's great. That's what this life is about. Uh, I think when you find people who've made all the choices being driven by finances, that um, rarely ends in just a happy story at the end of that. Um, but how do we take, separate that, from money being kind of this separate part of our existence or this thing that we don't talk about and how do we create a language in a way for us to understand it, to be able to talk about it with our partner in life and to be able to teach mm. our children or our grandchildren new things is what's, um, what's something we're really passionate about and that we try to try to help families do over the generations. Mm. It's, it's really, really interesting. And I suppose that it takes a whole lot of, uh, of, trust from your clients to be able to you know to go into the into the non-spoken right because we don't talk about money we don't talk about the emotions around it 
That sounds like really, really interesting. Yeah, our the firm's mission statement, which I know a lot of people don't <clears throat> give a whole lot of credit to these days, but it's to really it's to create a safe place for families to come and talk about money, and uh, where there's not judgment and there's not you know what we should have done X, Y, or Z. You know, we're all capable of doing that for ourselves. You don't need that when yeah. you go into talk about this. So we just want to be a place to a safe place to have those conversations and talk about, okay, well, here are the choices you've made that have brought you to this place. What do you want in the future and how do we help you get towards the future that you desire? Um, and sometimes that's saving more money. Sometimes it's spending more money. Um, you know, I've got, mm. it's not uncommon for us to have clients where we have to encourage them to spend when they kind of grew up with depression era parents and a very kind of focused on poverty mindset for yeah. good reason. I completely understand where that comes from. But then to try to transition them and say, now you've you've saved all this money, you've done this great job, and now you're retired, go have those experiences. Like go spend that money, go help your kids or send, you know, give money to your grandkids, because that's why you've done it. Exactly. And, and help change that mindset. It's um it's very interesting to see at times, but the it's the best part of doing what we do is seeing when people get closer to that life aspiration that they want to have. Um, and it's, you know, very much at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. It's the self-actualization part. Mm. It's not, um, being worried about food and shelter, but it's about, you know, did the, did I become who I wanted to become? Can I do the things that I wanted to do? Right. And, uh, I, I suppose you, that you agree with me that these conversations around money is not about spending or what you, what, how you feel with your money are questions that not are not only for people that are wealthy, but for everybody to ask, right? Like, um, because yeah, like w somehow like this, the way we relate with the flow of money in our lives, sometimes we feel there's some abundance. What do we do? How do we feel when we, when we're there and how are we managing, especially if we don't have a, a, a lot of money, How are you managing the stress when you have this uh, downside flow of money, right? That is also mm, very, very interesting. Sure. You know, you've had a successful business for many, you know, many, many family years. And now, you know, it's coronavirus and you supply restaurants. And so uh, the income that your business has provided for 40 or 50 years is gone. Um So how are you going to handle that? And how do you have an identity that is separate from your business, uh, even is a, a discussion we often have? Because you're not just a teacher. Yeah. You know, you know, it's that's part of what you do, but you're many more things than that. And we, we you know, we often identify directly with that. And I work with a lot of physicians. And so, mm. you know, one day you're a healer, and then the next day you're, you know, Jane on the golf course because you've retired. Mm. Um, so how do we how do we bring together again and just integrate all those parts of what makes us unique humans and, um, you know, use those pieces together to learn, grow, be the, the, the person we want to be, to be the teacher for our, our children, our grandchildren, which, um, you know, we often talk about or support communities that we see needing assistance. How do we continue to bring our gifts and do those things? Mm. Can you think about, um, Uh, a new opportunity that you have now that you didn't have, let's say, uh, at the beginning of the year, 
before the, this global crisis? Yeah, uh, in reading the questions before this, I'd say this was one of the hardest ones uh, for me. And I think what's really come to mind is, um, you know, we've my kids are finishing their school uh, right now. This week is their last week of school. And I think the opportunity we have at the moment that's the big challenge ahead of us is how do we um, how do we build something together that's going to be um, you know interesting for the summer to some degree like how do we mm. how can we collaborate and uh, have my children be an active part of providing their input and helping to direct what this is and not just having it be well mom and said mom and dad said we're going to do x y and z um, but how do we come together and create something that's going to work for them and work for us as parents and um, make that all come together is very much what I think the challenge is right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 nice. So you're uh, getting them involved in decision making for the whole. Yeah, well, and I try to um, we're big on allowances with kids and we uh, tell our, our clients, I think it's great skill, a great thing to do with your children, because it's not about the, you know, my kids' allowances are $5 a week, um, which they have to, of that $5, a dollar, they have three categories they can break it into, and it's save, spend, and share. So a mm. dollar goes into save, which is um, kind of very long-term around, you know, often it's, you know, kind of their college fund. Uh, spend is whatever they want to do with it. And share is, um, you know, to give uh, yeah. to people who, you know, we're fortunate. So we, it's how do we share money with people who are, um, are less fortunate than we are. And so, um, you know, so they get $5, a dollar goes into each and the other $2 can go anywhere they want. Almost always goes into spend, which is great. But the money that's in that spend account, we don't put a lot of restrictions on because it's a tool for them to go and learn and try things and honestly make mistakes. Um, my, right. I bake a lot with my daughter, who's nine, and we'll often try new things that are complicated. And I'll tell her at the beginning, I'm like, I've never done this before. You haven't either. Don't have any idea how this is actually going to work. And um, But let's go try it and see what happens, and we'll learn something from it, and we're not going to be too tied to the outcome, right? We'll just go and explore. And um, it's, of the things I want to teach her, that's uh, or both my kids, um, that's what I want them to know or think about going forward that, you know, failure is not like a bad thing. Like it's, it's very much part of the deal and it's something we want to do more of if we want to have more experiences. So, um, try real hard to demystify that and help them think about, um, let's go, let's go try some stuff that's not going to work and see what we learn from it. Beautiful. Yeah. And I can, Yeah. Yeah, or just the only thing I was going to say is if you think about that with money in particular, like how many of us say, oh, we're going to go embrace the idea that we're going to go make some mistakes with our money. Um, yes. Sounds terrifying, you know, because um, there are some that are quite big choices around, you know, buying a house or choosing a college. But yet we often see these kids who are raised and their parents have made all the choices and now they're trying to make a choice about where to go to school or what are they going to do after school and they haven't had a lot of practice in making choices. Yeah. So um, every chance I get, I push the kids to make a choice. Um, and I don't care what it, you know, it's about ice cream flavors or what we're going to make for dinner. Uh, here are two things, choose. And I just want them to practice 
Yes, yes. And, and, and I love it because I think one of the things that we're the most afraid of in life uh, is uh, making bad decisions with money to the point that it paralyzes us to the point that we sure. uh, that we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes and and if we make mistakes mistakes which we're going to do because we're humans i mean <laughs> then mm-hmm. we we just kill ourselves we we you know we're so mean uh and you know we we just get into this negative uh mindset that can and we can stay there for ages right and it's just yeah and and it's true like uh, money is another thing we need to learn to play with to 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 experiment with Mm -hmm. completely uh yeah i agree 100 percent uh stuart brown is a researcher on the topics of adult play and um i think it's so important and it's so under appreciated in our society, this idea of doing something that is without purpose and that, um, you know, that creates energy for us. Uh, we need to embrace and do more. We need to play more than, um, than worry about, you know, teaching our kids these rigidities. They're going to learn those things, um, you know, over time. Let's, let's make sure they know how to play and experiment and explore and tinker and create. And then the good things will come out of that. Mm, Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's really thank you. That's that's very very um, insightful and and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell us about um, a success, something that you're proud of. Uh, it can be anything, and obviously, it is you who define what success is. Sure. You know, um, I think. Uh, you know, the biggest success we have is if I look at, um, you know, my, my wife and I started and where, where we are today, um, you know, we'll, when I work with clients, uh, we use George Kinder's three questions, which is an easy thing to Google and find and, on his page. But um, can you say again? And I can, yeah, George Kinder is um, a writer and he came up with these three questions. Okay. And um, maybe I'll, I can send you a link to it as well. So yeah. perhaps you can put it in the notes. Yeah. Because um, the three questions in short are basically, if you had enough money for the rest of your life, what would you do? If you had five to 10 years to live, what might you change? And if you had 24 hours to live, what would you miss? Which is a pretty emotionally heavy set of questions to think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, um, you know, what I find when with clients is it gets to the heart of what's really true and important in their lives. And, when my wife and I did this, we, if I look at what we set out to do when we wrote this out, you know, probably 12 or so years ago was to, you know, have a condo in New Orleans on or close to the parade route where the Mardi Gras parades happen to have yeah. a pool, um, to have our own financial planning business that, you know, I would be able to lead, that we would have a couple children, we'd be able to travel together and we'd be able to spend meaningful time with her family in Chicago, which is not, you know, my wife hates winter and is not somewhere she wants to live in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. um, but that we could be there and spend real time with them. And um, then when I look at the life we have, it's pretty much what we designed, you know, when we did that 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And I feel like it's a huge success that, um, that we 
yeah. continued working on that journey and continue made choices to support that. You know, we, yeah. we live in a condo, which is for a, you know, a family of four, not often the choice, but it gives us the flexibility to be able to travel. It allows us yeah. to spend large stretches of the summer in Chicago, which is something we probably wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Right. Um, and so, um, and then taking the leap to start my own financial planning firm, which merged into the planning center uh, just a few years ago um, was, you know, it was a big risk and, you know, it was financial struggle for several years, but it's made a lot of difference in us being able to do the things we want to do now that we took that leap and ultimately it was successful and it did work. Well, you know, uh, with the type of questions you're asking to your clients and, the type of, um, I don't know, questions you're asking yourself as well, I can definitely see uh, how designing a life uh, that that you like, it's possible, you know? Like, I really think, sure. yeah, and, 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 and yeah, I, like, I mean, I cannot definitely understand and see the success there in many, many different layers. Um, yeah. There's something uh, that caught my uh, attention at the beginning of our conversation is that uh, it seems so, and I also see it in your uh, last name, you have French roots, don't you? Is that? Yes, that's correct. Right. And is that why you, why you have chosen New Orleans to, to, to live? Because I know that, um, yeah. Yeah, no, very deep French connections here. Um, right. And so, yeah, it, it comes from my family's ancestry. So the um, my uh, my French ancestors emigrated to eastern Canada and Nova Scotia um, yeah. and Acadia is kind of that area. And um, at some point, uh, I should know the history better, but I don't offhand, <laughs> um, the British, you know, took over as the, they had for many years um, and brought with them their own religion and said, you can't be Catholic anymore, or if you are going to be, you have to leave. And so with that, they kind of loaded up and um, into their small boats and followed the coastline until they got down here, which was still French-controlled territory as well. Mm. Um, so they got to South Louisiana, found a place that looked like home and for a couple hundred years, uh, lived there in a, their kind of small, close-knit communities uh, that, you know, built on French but have some of their own <clears throat> own traditions. So the Cajun culture right, uh, that, exactly. that I'm, this is where I grew up. I grew up in a very small town about an oh, hour's wow. drive south of and here. The, and the music um, as well, right? Yes. Cajun music, right. yeah. Yes. So <laughs> we've got um, uh, all of these ties back into the French, and it's, um, uh, you know, it's part of, New Orleans is uh, embraced by that. There's certainly a joie de vie here, a joy of yeah, living yeah, that vie, isn't, yes. isn't present in a lot of other places. That um, you know is important for us. We've made the decision to live here in New Orleans, and it's not always the easiest place to live. You know, we've um, been through our share of challenges here, yeah. but it is um, such a unique place. And we're very grateful to uh, to be here. Yeah, I like it a lot because I don't know if you have, uh, there's a thread that I can see in all of our conversation and is, you know, uh, generations 
and uh, grand, grand, grandparents, uh, father's children, but also, yeah, um, heritage and also, uh, yeah, like your cultural heritage. And you know what I'm, uh, it gets me thinking that, um, yeah, I think it's a good uh, thing to keep in mind this idea of what we are, the role of a, a generation. What are we giving to the to the next generation, mm. and have this uh, vision of of generation uh, when we're making choices, right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, our aspirational vision as a firm is to think that, you know, in 50 years, there'll be another generation of a family and, and, you know, new generations of planners, but talking about kind of the same families and, you know, the same money to some extent. And it's, um, you know, there's a Native American, you know, there's so many Native American ideas around that, you know, we're not, you know, we don't have possessed this, uh, this earth. We borrowed it from our grandchildren um, or that they should make you know, decisions uh, as an organization, as a tribe, yeah. thinking about the next seven generations. And it's a perspective that sometimes I think we lose in our short-term society. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, this idea that, um, yeah, what do, the, the thing I think about with regard to that is my family is very, very Cajun. We're very much, you know, I can trace back several generations, my ancestry in South Louisiana. Yeah. And it's how do you embrace that and be a part of it without letting it define you to a way is can be a struggle. Um, you know, like I'm not, yeah, cage, I am Cajun, but it's not the only thing, right? Like, so it's part of who I am. So what are the other, what are the other parts that I naturally am? What are the parts that I want to foster and grow? Um, and, you know, even thinking about, there's a great author who writes about family wealth, that it's not, you know, there's financial wealth, which is easy to measure, but there's other kinds of capital. There's, you know, intellectual capital, there's spiritual capital, there's yeah. uh, social capital, that all of these things that we can continue to work with and grow in our family to help the people around us. Hmm. Um, and that's uh, that we're all here and connected, which I think, yeah, more than ever, I think we can all see. Yeah, we can now. Actions yeah. affect each other. Right. Nobody else, nobody will ever... I think, I mean, after this, it will be very hard to turn your back to the world. Like, we we now know that how connected we are. Sure. If you had an advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? Um, you know, I feel very lucky in terms of how things have worked out. And so... I think if I had to say one thing to my 18-year-old self was that um, if you want to save yourself a lot of struggle, you need to figure out how to make friends with yourself. Um, and so you can, you know, fight that, continue fighting that for the next 20 or so years, or you can uh, find Beautiful. somebody, you know, find somebody to talk to about this and, you know, help now um, so that you don't continue to, carry that burden um so yeah that's yeah that's what i would say <laughs> beautiful so it's about being friend uh with yourself right and be a friend for yeah. with yourself for life right mm, sure mm -hmm. yeah the um you know so many of us i think and i i do uh, speak to ourselves in a way that 
we would never speak to anybody else. Certainly, absolutely, uh, much less much less somebody we really cared about. Um, and so it's a, such a difficult challenge to embrace that idea. But um, yeah, if I could have given for earlier version of myself that gift, um, I think it would be very useful. Yeah, yeah. Any resources you would like to recommend us to check over the next few weeks? Hmm. Well, um, those three questions I mentioned, I think, are always uh, a good, yeah, absolutely. good check-in on our life. And I um, often encourage people, if you, you know, if you have a life partner, um, spouse, whatever name you all choose for that, um, take, you know, take those, grab yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, whatever your thing is, and sit down and handwrite your answers separately, uh, and then come back together and talk about them afterward. Um, but it's, there's something about the process of slowing down and handwriting the answers that I think opens up, uh, ourselves to possibility. It opens up our hearts a little bit to, to seeing like, oh, we are taking this seriously and we're connected with that part and that spirit through our bodies with our hands by actually handwriting it and not typing it, which is just a, mm. such a different tactile experience. Mm. Um, so, you know, that I think is always a gift for people who are considering the future. Um, the three questions I think is just a great place to start. Um, and, uh, yeah, can, can you know, beyond you, that, I don't have a, yeah, a well, that's, it's, it's, on, it's, no, but yeah. it, it is, it is, uh, quite valuable. And can you repeat the three questions again? So we can sure. listen to them again. Yeah. And they're in, in much better language on the, what I will send to you, but the, basically if you had enough money for the rest of your life, what would you do? Um, yeah. And describe that life, you know, in abundance. What What are the things that you, what choices would you make? What things would you like to add into that life? Um, the second is, you know, essentially you've got five years to live, um, you know, the five to 10 years to live. And so we don't know when um, yeah. something would happen, but you'll basically feel the way you do now for the next five or 10 years. But one day it'll be over. And so <laughs> I often think about that as, you know, what would you change? Like, what are the, yeah. um, you know, if I had five years to live, I'm never going to another condo board meeting. Yes, you know, right. Like exactly. Kind of like, yeah. Like what, what are those what, obligations? Yes. What are you not carry on with? Like what, what sure. needs to be a weight of the, of the weight? <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes it crystallizes too, though, of like, well, what am I no longer content to wait for? Um, yeah, you know, like I've wanted absolutely. to do yes. X, Y, or Z for a long time, but if I only had a short period of time, well, then we would really, I would really get into tracking down my family's <laughs> ancestry or right. taking that trip to visit whatever place, right? There's something that comes up along those lines. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the last one is if you had 24 to 48 hours, um, you know, it's, what did you miss essentially? Who did I not get to be? What did I not get to do? Um, mm-hmm. Those kinds of questions. And um, so it's a, a useful reflection where we, you know, time is an illusion for us. We all think we have so much time. And, um, you know, there's a saying I think is true around kids that the, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. And the older I get, the more it seems life is that way too. So how do we, um, yeah. We, what did we miss? And if we step out of the that three question cycle and look at okay, well, 
what do I want to build in my life so that I don't miss this? Um, right. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah, and what are the, beautiful. What are the choices along the way I want to, I want to make to not miss the things like, you know, the, sometimes I, I tell other young folks like, you know, if you found your life partner, part of the job is not messing it up now. And that doesn't sound very exciting, but really like, absolutely. You, yeah. You worked really hard to build this together. So don't, you know, don't right. lose sight of that. So yeah. you're tempted to make some small mistake that I love it. in a turmoil. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, let me ask you a question, Jude. Do you sure, think please. do you think you're going to do this exercise with your children? Is it something that you would that you have think is possible or would like to do? Having them answering these type of questions, you think? Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think for everybody, their children are, you know, their emotional intelligence would guide you along the way. Um, and I think for, you know, certainly question one is a, a kind of question we can discuss with pretty much anybody. I could ask my five-year-old, you know, if you could do anything, what would you want to do? And, um, you know, we've, travel is a big, you know, part of our life uh, for my wife and I, and our kids have embraced that too, of course, with uh, what we've done with them. Uh, so, when you know we've been watching more of these kinds of world shows on National Geographic and other things yeah. during uh, during quarantine, and so for dinner the other night I did ask like, well, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? And what they both said is that they would want to go and see their cousins who live in Chicago, and uh. Uh, <laughs> and, and we've been fortunate to spend the. Um, the last few summers there and spent a lot of time with yeah. their cousins and their aunts and uncle and their grandparents who all live very close proximity in Chicago, which has been wonderful. And um, it's such a great reminder to that, to me that, um, yeah, there's this big world. There's all these things we want to experience. And yet they know like what they want is more of that closeness. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I'm always so thankful for that. And again, I, they're my teachers. So I'm always so thankful that they, help remind me of some of those things uh, along the way. Um, so my five-year-old, that's kind of what he wants. He doesn't want her an awful lot. Um, you know, he, he wants to do things with his sister and he wants to swim in the pool and he wants to see his cousin yeah. um, and snuggle with his mom. And that's about it. And that's great. Um, my nine-year-old, uh, it's a little more complicated. She wants to be a pop star. Um, of course. So, you know, that's, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's her aspiration, but She's um, just over the last year, and Lucy was diagnosed with cancer when she was two, which is very scary word. She had leukemia, oh, wow. very, but thankfully a very treatable disease, particularly in young children. And the way she went about all of that was um, was really inspirational to see. And it's a in childhood cancer circle. She had good cancer, so it had a very good prognosis from where she started. Mm. But it helped all of us see life from a different perspective. And um, yeah. So yeah. So she, um, she has this this other caring part where she does want to do more and some bigger things that I think comes out of that experience. Mm. But is now just kind of old enough where it's like, oh well, like this this death idea is really that's permanent and like it's not. Um, yeah. You know, it, yeah. So so her, I can see her view changing, and I don't know how much I could get into some of those other questions with her yet, but. Um, but still, this, if we could do, you know, what, if you could do what you wanted to do with your life, what is it that you want to do uh, right now is, a, I think, is a great one. Um, yeah. And in fact, we had, um, 
one of their cousins graduated from college and uh, her grandfather asked us to send what's, um, you know, what is your life advice uh, for the graduate? Um, and so I, my wife asked them and they had the most wonderful things to say that I'm going to try to look up here real quickly because I, um, I just, I thought it was so wonderful and profound. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, but they were, yeah, it was such a gift and, um, it is, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So the, my daughter's was to learn new things every day, keep having fun and enjoy the time that you have. Um, which, you know, even just in that answer is, yeah. you know, I can recognize that time is limited. Um, you know, and then my, yeah. my son's was to get sleep, be nice, and have a blankie, which he <laughs> carries and sucks his thumb. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, oh uh, there, you know, when we yeah. think about our, yeah, our kids get to the essence of things quite yeah. often. Yeah, children are just something, yeah. <laughs> right. If you could send the world an email right now, what would you say? Hmm. Um... A message. Yeah. I, I mean, we've been talking about amazing things. Uh, try to think about your, you know, being the child, like, you know, like the message you just read to us from your daughter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So what would um, it be a message? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, um, the message I would say, like, I think the most valuable thing I could give, offer you would be, just a little bit of an interruption and to say, you know, just take five minutes and sit down uh, on a pillow or on a chair and uh, just focus on your breath. And even if you don't think you can make it for five minutes, if you do it for five breaths, I think you'll feel a lot better um, and nothing in the world will have changed. You'll have just gotten a little bit closer in touch with yourself. And if you can do it for five minutes, um, just with that awareness of your breath and looking inwards into your body, um, I think you will have an even more profound experience and then try to build on that. Um, so just slow down and breathe 